What's up, everybody? John Bush from Arm Insane, and you are listening to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Turn it up. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. Well, all right, y'all, boy, you know what time it is. A time, that time of week when it's a brand new episode again. Boy, we, we, we haven't missed a week yet. And it's me, Dr. Fuck, with... Oh, yeah! Wadzilla from New Orleans. Hell, yeah. Better known as the bass player for Black Sabbath. Yes, Geezer Wadley. Yeah. How you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a while since we've done some news, man. Yeah, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people don't know this about us, but we shit out. We make so many episodes, and then, you know, then, like, for the, what what's it been, like, three weeks or something since we've done anything? Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Because every time we have two-hour episodes, we don't do the news. So this one is under two hours, so fuck it. We got... And I don't even know if we got a lot of time for news, because we got a lot of reviews. But um, don't worry, whatever's left over goes to the YouTube exclusive. Unless it's very kick-ass, I have to throw it on here. But no, what am I talking about? It's very kick-ass when I put it on YouTube, too, as well. And oh my god, YouTube has exploded. But I will talk about that when we get into the YouTube reviews. But uh, nice. you got anything to say before we get into those reviews? Because we got iTunes reviews as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, first of all, I just want to say, great to be back recording with you again. And uh, man, has the Facebook page been taken off lately, you know, and also the uh, the YouTube page. So we got a lot of new listeners, a lot of new fans. And I've been getting a lot of, you know, questions and people don't know how to find everything. So I'm going to run through real quick what we have. Whoa, what was that? Oh, I'm sorry. I just moved my <laughs> microphone. Did it make a weird uh, noise? Yeah, it's fine. All right. Um, so anyway, uh, if, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. We're glad to have you here. Of course, the podcast, If you, you can find us on Facebook, on our Facebook page. We have links to the episodes. You can also go on podbean.com. That is our, our home station for the podcast. Uh, also, if you have an Android phone, there's a Podbean app, and and we're also on the most popular podcast format for an Android phone is Podcast Addict, and that's a free app you can download. Just type in Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, you get every episode. We are also on iTunes, and uh, man, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, give us a five star rating. And an iTunes review, that shit really helps the show. But there's a lot of ways you can catch the podcast. And I, we also have a lot of requests. Both Ralph and I have two amazing radio shows on ThatMetalStation.com. Ralph's show, The Dr. Fuck Show, is on Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, till whatenever the fuck he decides, man. It, it could be till fucking 11. It could be till 11 the next morning. Uh, make sure you tune into that. Yeah, I, I, need, have... I need to break my record because my record's twelve hours. Yeah, and I need to break it because I think one of you fucks might, might might get there. So I'm gonna like do something bizarre. I don't know. It, it's harder now because there's a lot more shows on that metal station. 
Uh, you know, you you broke. You had a record, then I broke it, then you broke mine. You, I had I had eleven, then you broke it with twelve. Well, I didn't but even know that. Yeah, and we're both on thatmetalstation.com. My show is on Saturdays, eleven a.m. Eastern, and depending on if we're recording an episode, I could be over at one p.m. Eastern. Sometimes I go to uh, or two p.m. Eastern. Sometimes I go to four p.m. Eastern. It just all depends. But I always start at eleven. But you can check out both our shows on thatmetalstation.com. If you're not in front of your computer, there is a That Metal Station app for both Android and uh, Apple phones for iPhones. And also there is a, and that's a free app, and there's also an app called TuneIn Radio that you can download on whatever Apple, Android, whatever you're on. And that's another one that you can uh, download for free. TuneIn Radio, just type in Rock and Metal, or I'm sorry, Rock and Metal, type in That Metal Station, and, and you can listen to us. But if you get the That Metal Station app, not only can you listen to us, but you can also get in the chat room, you can buy merch for both of our shows and all the other great shows that are on That Metal Station. So I just wanted to throw this out there. A lot of you already know, but, you know, for all the new people, we got a shitload of new people, you know, here's ways you can check out not only the podcast, but our great radio shows. Also, uh, very important, some of the uh, the merch on that metal station, uh, some of those shirts go to um, soldiers. Uh, it's a charity event for, you know, soldiers that, um, I'm not quite sure. Do you know? I know, yeah. I, I, hey, it goes to soldiers, period. You know, uh, well, people that served our country, so I well, think that's good, whatever the hell it is. Th- th- that's what it is right now. Every two months we change up and the merch all goes to a different charity. Every two months it changes. Uh, I wish it would change to a, to something that went in our fucking pockets, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, uh, it should go in your pocket. You were a soldier once. Yeah, Salvation Army counts. Yeah, that next one should be like, give to the soldier, the soldier called Wadley. Yes. <laughs> well, that would go to my son. And plus, but, uh, uh, another thing, very important to bring up, those two apps you brought up, Tune in every week to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast because we're sure Scott Green will invent more apps. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just thank you to all the new people who have joined. We're happy to have you on board. Glad people are still discovering this show two years on, and we keep growing and growing. And uh, you know, ways you can help us out is by subscribing on iTunes. That really helps the show immensely. And leaving reviews really helps the show get bigger and bigger. We are uh, on the What's Hot section in uh, iTunes and we have been for a while now I'm very proud of that and uh, man this show is just going to get bigger and even better if that's possible in 2017 we're going to have uh, you know more reviews more guests and uh, just bigger things in 2017 so yes. thank you and another way of checking out the, the podcast is on YouTube uh, yes. the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast YouTube page has been doing great. I will get more into that when we do the review, but there you get to see like uh, a visual and unedited episodes where it'll be unedited. What well, you know, our reviews are unedited on YouTube where you're going to get unedited on both sides, you know? Yes. And, and so, and this is something really, this is brand new. I don't know. I don't think I even told you about this, Ian. There's also an uncensored uh, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast video where it's actually Ian and me 
on webcam naked. And that you can see at www.justinchilders.com. Yes. Make sure you have your antivirus working. Yes. Check out uh, this episode right here, 1984. We actually have guys next to us coming on us while we talk. And we, we're unfazed. Like, listen to this. It doesn't sound like guys are coming on us, but we're so used to it, you know? Like, when we get all excited about songs, it's not only the songs we're getting excited about. Yeah, and special shout-out to uh, the guest on this episode, Johnny Bogan. Oh, he man, did, he, did you see the loads he took? Right in the mouth, and he didn't even, like, cough. And, and, and it didn't even sound like he had cum in his mouth. Listen to this episode coming up. Stay tuned. When he talks about Top Jimmy, that whole dialogue of Top Jimmy loads in his mouth. Yeah, and he didn't miss a beat. Didn't miss a beat. That's true. And every time he, he was quiet and we talked, he was getting throat fucked. It was awesome. Awesome All episode. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, definitely, yes. And, and, and definitely subscribe. Uh, send an invite to the Facebook page, which is a complete madhouse. Uh, you know, Nelson Mandela went to jail for less shit than what we do on the Facebook page. So make sure you join. But let's get to some iTunes reviews. All right. iTunes reviews. All right, and uh, you know, let us be know. We will write a review. We will read it on the air. Unless, unless you live out of the country, we can't see those. Yes, if you live out of the country, I can only see U.S. iTunes reviews. But if you leave a review in another country, send me a copy of that review, and yes. I will read it on air. Or, yeah, or post it in the Facebook uh, page. Yes, and I will definitely read it on air. Yeah. But this week we have two Yankees. And they both gave us five stars reviews. Yeah. Yes. This first one is from John Hansen 46 entitled, You Wanted the Best, This Podcast is the Best. Are you sure his name is John Hansen? I thought his name was Science. Yes. Well, Science John Hansen 46 leaves a five-star review that says, and I quote, This is by far the greatest podcast I've heard. That is Ralph, the truth. Ralph and Ian, or Ian and Ralph, have introduced me to more killer music than anyone else. True. I have listened for over two years and have not missed an episode. That's awesome. The great Bill Wayne can sum the podcast better than anyone. The Rock and Metal podcast is the place to be. Diddly dee, bam, bam, bam. That guy is so honest, it hurts my balls. Correct. Yeah, honesty. Correct. Miss, thank you, Science. And even giving praise to our popular special guest, Bill Wang, who's on numerous episodes. I love that guy. Me too. Yeah. All right, John, thank you so much for that review. Appreciate it. And our next review, another five-star review. This one from Superfan Maytastic. Maytastic. Yeah, I like that so, guy. Uh, and this is entitled... Two friends and a box of vinyl. Yeah. And, says, and I quote, really great reviews for all the albums you love. True. And don't and don't love. True. And spreading current news of the world. That's honesty Both, right there. Yes. Both Ralph and Ian give their explicit opinions, which makes you feel like you're hanging out with your friends. Telling it like it is. That's right. There's awesome music in the background. Oh, yeah. Sometimes some awesome bootlegs that I haven't heard. Oh, fuck yeah, from my collection. And some great interviews. Oh, I yeah. Give the, I give this podcast 
five chopsticks, an Ooh. egg roll, rainbow sushi, and a fortune cookie that says, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Yeah! All right, dude. This guy took the Bill Wang angle and added a couple more things from the menu. Well yeah. done, my friend. I give that review the same kind of glowing review he gives us. That guy's awesome. He's awesome like that last guy, Science. Yes, exactly. And uh, two two great reviews. I want to thank both of you. And both of you giving shout-outs to the great Bill Wang. That's awesome. Yes. All right. Well, now uh, we started to talk about it earlier. And if you go on the, the Podbeat page, there are links on the right-hand side. Uh, there's links to Podcast Addict. There's a link to the Facebook page. There's links to Facebook pages for Ralph's Awesome Bands, Thrash or Die, and Combat. You got to add the rib jaw on there. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I guess that can wait. We, we don't have no music up yet. We're well, working on it. There is also an ad for our YouTube page. And now what the YouTube page is, and Ralph will get a little bit more explicit, uh, we put older episodes up on the the YouTube page, and what Ralph does is, you don't have to look at our ugly mugs. He puts amazing, whatever album we're talking about, whatever band we're talking hey, about. Hey, by the way, don't say ugly mugs, okay? Okay. You know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that you're gorgeous. Oh. Just say ugly mug. <laughs> Why, thank you. But you get, the, you get these episodes, and also, newer ones are going to be unedited, but there's awesome pictures and video and all kinds of shit. It's just like, a, it's a whole nother experience. E even other great podcasts have praised Ralph's editing and his videos and everything. So you know it's always going to be top of the line filth. Well, I so, want to thank you. I'm, you know I'm very humble and I don't like really gloating about myself. No, not too much. <laughs> we'll give you top billing anyway. All right. But, uh... But the, the YouTube page has grown exponentially. Yeah, that's a word. No, it's not. Uh, it's not? Okay, well, well, it should. I never heard it. And I <laughs> and I graduated in sixth grade, okay? Uh oh. Oh, you must have went to school with Justin Childers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, you know, Ralph's really been pushing this lately. We've added extra surprises like uncensored episodes. And, uh, and, the, and the page has almost doubled in size. So I encourage everybody, subscribe to that on YouTube. And once again, you can either search that on YouTube, or if you go on our Podbean page, all the links will be on the right-hand side. So, uh, Ralph, why don't you talk about some reviews we've got from our latest YouTube episode? Before I say that, I want to say thank you to the hundred, over a hundred people that subscribed in the past month alone. But uh, all right, now it's time for the reviews. And... The first review is from episode 22, the Ozzy Osbourne Blizzard of Oz review. Ooh, a classic. Yes. Um, the guy's name is God Emperor Stargazer. I love the name because it has my favorite song, Stargazer, in the title. And he says, Ralph, I usually agree with you on pretty much anything, which I think is pretty cool. He said that. But, but what do you mean, but? Wait, wait, wait. Wait, uh-oh. But you are wrong about Bob Daisley. First of all, he never said E.T. prank happened while he was in Rainbow. Uh, yes, he did. If you watch the Rainbow video, he's talking about while he was on tour at Rainbow. That happened in 77. Um, secondly, 
You said what Bob Daisley did beside what did Bob Daisley do beside Ozzy? I'm like, yeah, what did he do? Well, how about he played with Rainbow? Well, that's not really, you know, what he did with Ozzy. With Ozzy, he wrote shit. Rainbow, he just walked in and played what Richie told him to play. Hell, I was in Rainbow. Yeah. Shit. Uh, revitalize your eye heap in the 80s. Yeah, a, a, a boomagog really set the world on fire, right? Uh, playing bass on some of Gary Moore's best solo work. Yeah, I agree, but again, he's walking into a band, you know. Uh, best uh, Bob Daisley wrote most of the music and lyrics for all four Ozzy earliest albums. I never denied that. I never denied that he wrote most of the music and lyrics. I'm not denying any of that. I, I, If you listen close to the episode, I feel like Bob Daisley was fucked over, but at the same time, Bob Daisley's a bitch because he kept getting fucked over and kept going back. All right? I, I get scared every time you read a review of the Ozzy ep- of the... Bob Daisley. The, 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 well, the Blizzard uh, episode, because I was like... Everybody's going to crucify me for what I said about D. But all they do is fuck with you about Bob Daisley. Yeah, well, <laughs> the thing is that I am the villain between me and you. You're like the hero. You're the you're the happy-go-lucky, lovable alcoholic. And I'm like, I'm like the guy that don't do drugs and don't, don't drink. And you know our audience. They don't like straight people. Greg Barnes don't like straight people. <laughs> yes, he does. That's his fantasy to be with a straight guy. Anyway, so, uh, all right, let me continue. He is not the only one to claim that, you know. Lee Kerslake, Tommy Aldridge, Don Airy, and Jakey Lee have all pretty much confirmed that. And you know what? I agree. I never denied this, you know. I, I hey, and, and, but he gets something wrong here, and I will clarify it for him. Uh, well, so far he's gotten a lot of things about my opinion wrong. I just feel like Bob Daisley, um, what do you call expands the truth just like that et thing you know he expands it but all right so then he says uh there is a reason they would get him back just to write the album and fire him right after it was finished yeah right so 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 what are you saying about that why don't you bring up the fact that he goes back you know i mean does he have any pride all right let me finish by the way did you ever <laughs> did you ever hear the story how she, Look at listen to this one. This is great. No, I never heard this story, by the way, Stargazer. He said, by the way, did you ever hear this story how Sharon got Ozzy full writing credit for Bark at the Moon? Both Bob Daisley and Don Airy claim she stole all the lyrics and music they wrote while they were sleeping. <laughs> okay, sir. Let me let me let, let me clarify something for you. And, I, and, and if you'd like to hear it, you're very free to. Go on YouTube and look up Jakey Lee's interview with Eddie Trunk, where Jakey Lee talks about that. Jakey Lee talks about how he wrote that riff of Bark of the Moon while he was in Rough Cut, and they made him sign a contract saying, you cannot get no royalties, and if you don't sign it, we'll go get another guitar player, and he did it. That's what really happened. When... You flip over the album cover of Bark at the Moon, and dude, even back then, when I saw that shit saying, all music and lyrics written by Ozzy Osbourne, I was the first one to say, get the fuck out of here. And I don't know how old you are, Stargazer. Maybe you're older than me. But just in case you're not, I just want to let you know, in 1983, 
I said, get the fuck out of here when I saw that fucking album. So I am very well aware that Sharon, Ozzy, Ozzy is a puppet. Ozzy's no different than Bob Daisley. He's a bitch for Sharon. They're all bitches for Sharon because all they want is some kind of fucking uh, credit and, and mo you know, money that they thought they were going to get, but they got screwed over. Sharon is an evil fucking cunt. I said it on that Blizzard of Oz episode, but I also bring up the fact that I don't eat up everything Bob Daisley says because of that E.T. thing. Now, you may say he, it didn't happen while he was in Rainbow. Well, I really highly recommend you watch that video again. Sure, he doesn't actually say he was in Rainbow when it happened, but when the fuck was Bob Daisley torn with Rainbow after the Ozzy experience? You know what I'm saying? Either way, he does agree with me much everything else, and he has the name Stargazer. And if you if you are upset with me, well, just hear the, hear me out, brother. Just hear me out. I love you. Wait, wait. I, I know you're mad. I know you're mad, but 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 just hold still and and accept this kiss I'm about to blow. I love you. There you go. I don't know why the fans hate you and love me. I have no idea. I told you they're drug addicts. I like these guys. Who's holding? Who's yeah, holding? Give me a call. Exactly. All right. Uh, enough of enough of my, my the guy I love, Sargazer. Uh, the next one is for the Saxon Review, Denim and Leather, episode 74. It uh, says, uh, Salty Dog 4 said, Great podcast. Love your description of Never Surrender. Described perfectly. Saxon is a very underrated band. All right. Thank you, Salty Dog. Uh, Great episode. Yes. The next one is Corey Robertson. He says, Rock and roll. You guys are fucking awesome. Keep up the amazing work. Now I have a question for you. Well, more of a hope than a question. Fuck, I guess you'd call it a comment. Episode 138, will you review a Misfits album? I don't know. What episode are we on now? You know? I don't know. Like, uh, I, I think this episode uh, will be 135. Right. Or no, 136, I believe. 136. Okay, I can't promise it'll be on 138, but I do promise you eventually. We are 138! <laughs> oh, there you go. Hey, you want to know the funniest thing? For the longest time, I thought that song said, we are a dirty ape. <laughs> we all dirty apes. You know, then I fought the album and I heard it. I was like, and then I saw the title. I was like, oh, he's saying 138. Anyway, um, uh, hold on. I got a YouTube uh, review I want to read. Oh. And, and this one comes from Toolgazer. Toolgazer? Yeah, yeah, not Stargazer. This one's uh, from Toolgazer. And it, it just says, I love dick. And then it goes, <laughs> by the way, this is Justin. <laughs> Justin Childers. Dot com. <laughs> Where you can see our unedited sperm filled episodes. <laughs> oh. All right. The next review is God Emperor Stargazer again. My buddy. Oh. Yeah, yeah, hey, man. The guy agrees with me most of the time. It's just the Bob Daisley thing. So he writes on the same episode, Ozzy 22, he said, There's a reason Ozzy doesn't play Revelation Mother Earth. Only Randy Rhodes can actually play it. Okay. I hate to fucking say this because I love Stargazer. And I do agree with you. Randy Rhodes, nobody can play it like Randy Rhodes. But Ozzy has played that song without Randy Rhodes. 
He's played it with Bertie Torme. He's played it with Brad Gillis. And he played it with Jakey Lee. And you can see the Brad Gillis version on Speak of the Devil home video, which I'm sure is on YouTube. Salt Lake City, Bark at the Moon Tour, they played on there, which is a great video, by the way, because they show war footage during it. And uh, and I I could be wrong here, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe they did bring it back at one point during the Ozfest years with Joe Holmes. I could be wrong. That I could be wrong, but I'm Shit. pretty sure they did. So it's not only Randy Rhodes actually could play, uh, actually play it. Uh, other guitar players have played that song, but I will agree with you, dude. Nobody can do it like Randy, but I also think nobody can do Randy songs like Randy. Like, even Mr. Crowley and you name it. Every fucking Ozzy song, Randy played the best versions of it. I, I don't know about I think the, the best version I ever heard of that uh, uh, was Bob Daisley with Rainbow, 1969 at the Hollywood Bowl. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> They actually had that singer that's with Rainbow now that was born in 87. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about the math. Just listen to it on YouTube. <laughs> hey, if Bob said it, it must be true, right, Stargazer? <laughs> All right. Um, okay, uh, this one's for... Oh, the Sammy is full of stuff, episode 58. I think my version on there is like Sammy's full of shit, I think I put. Uh, yes. Laz for Eric. He wrote... One of the best episodes era, uh, ever. Thank you, Wadzilla and the Good Doc. That's awesome, dude. Though it should be the Good yes. Doc and Wadzilla. But yeah, that's yes. awesome. I love that review. That's right. We hate Sammy Hagar. And the only reason I put Sammy Hagar as full of stuff is if I put shit, I couldn't get it on iTunes. This one, and now it takes this takes this takes explanation before we talk about what this guy writes. This is his comment on. We respond to the Freeform Rock Podcast. Oh. Now, for uh, for anybody that has, is not up to speed, uh, the Freeform Rock Podcast is a fan of ours, Mark Al Allen Taylor. Huh. Uh, <laughs> that um, that he had a fallout with Ian. He, had, he never had a fallout with me, but he had a fallout with Ian. He's a big fan of our podcast. He's listening right now. And um, so he said... What did he say? I can't even remember what the fuck he said, but we replied to it. And, uh, you know, he was saying some stuff about us. That wasn't really that bad, but it was a little dig. And then we, like, being the assholes we are, we're, like, completely ass, like, fucking really attacking us. So this is uh, from Max Power. He wrote, a podcast that can save the world. Just imagine liberals and conservatives, Red Sox and Yankee fans, and even cats and dogs coming together over the share hatred of Sammy Hagar. Yes! There is no best of both worlds. There is the decision everyone must make, and Roth is the only rational decision. Oh, I love this guy. Thank you, Ralph and Ian. I love him a lot, because he just said Ralph and Ian. For yeah. bringing us a little closer to world peace. Fuck Love Walks In. Thank you. Oh, what's this guy's name? His name is Max Power. And that name alone, Max Power! Yeah, not only do you have a porn star name, but you have the right fucking attitude, sir. I yeah. love you. All right, and uh, then there was another little exclusive. This one's a real short video where I I, I put clips of Mark contradicting himself. Because Mark, you know, gets all full of himself during the show going, I listen to this and that. And, you know, people that, 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 
that talk bad about bands, you know, that are in a box and blah, blah, blah. Man, bands should change. I, I can't stand people that can't accept band change. And then the very next sentence, he starts bashing Jason Newstead for, for not doing metal. So John Vogan wrote, holy shit, that was funny. That, that was his comment about it. But there's another <laughs> comment from Exignia Metal Reviews. Exignia Metal Reviews. Alrighty. He put, LOL, when it comes to Ben Hagar, I love 5150. Yeah, I know. Sentiment, he puts in paragraphs, sentimental reasons. But fuck everything after that. The worst David Lee Roth era Van Halen material is still better than the best of the post-5150 Van Hagar. Now, I, I have to agree. I have to disagree. It's better than 5150 as well. And, and and there's no such thing as a worst, you know. Van Hagar, Van Halen is just fucking perfect. Come on. I mean, some songs are better than others, but come on. Uh, Which, these, fuck, these fucking 5150 apologists, I just want to smack them with a turn, like Justin Childers. It's like that. That's how you know, Daddy, you know, and Mommy were brother and sister. But I like fifty one fifty. You know, really. really well, you like, well, you, well, you like you like Casio drums. You like fucking Bette Midler singing behind Eddie Van Halen on keyboards. Ah, oh, suck a dick. Okay, Ugh. all right, <laughs> all right. That was Ian talking. Me, I can accept. The fact that you like 5150, even though I think it sucks, I can accept it. And also, I'm desperate to get somebody to like me more than Ian. Anyway, so, uh, but he's not done. Now it gets a little juicy. He goes, by the way, Mark's an ass. And, <laughs> and Terrence told me all about his bullshit. I'm friends with Terrence on Skype, so I'm aware what went down, especially with the implosion of the Terrence and Mark experience. Great vid. You're the best. Cheers, guys, from Australia. Now, okay, now I know this guy's full of shit because, first of all, he said he liked 5150. And second of all, Terrence has no friends. Jesus oh, Christ. Wow. All right, well, anyway, wow. I want to say this before I, 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 you know, okay, he said what he had to say. Terrence and Mark, <laughs> those two guys are cats and dogs. They're always fighting with each other and they always bring it to me. And neither of them get the hint. Because every time they write me about, like when Mark writes me about Terrence and Terrence writes me about Mark, I never reply to either of them. Yet they keep coming to me every time they fight. It's like I'm dad or something, you know? <laughs> anyway, all right. So oh, Terrence and Mark are fucking Bert and Ernie. <laughs> you, you, you know, they're both closetly gay and only entertaining when somebody sticks their hand up their ass and makes them talk. Oh, boy. I can see a Mark go off on his little uh, tirade on that one. Oh, whatever. All right. Whatever. Terrence made you, Mark. Hey, look, that's that's Ian, Ter uh, Mark. I, I need somebody to like me more than Ian. I'll take Mark. <laughs> Fuck anybody I'll do. Yeah, there, there you go. You should, be on, you should be on Mark's podcast like everybody else. Well, I was. And there's a comment about that coming up. <laughs> uh, all right. And, uh, and then <laughs> this one's great. D. Bach wrote, we res uh, on that same episode, we respond to Rock. He wrote, and it's very short, but it's great. Look at the wreckage Justin leaves in his wake. <laughs> because that whole thing started with Justin saying, fuck you, Mark, on my on my radio show uh, chat room. And it and exploded into all this. Ugh. All right, next, this one's Rich. From the same episode, we reply, we respond to the rock to the uh, Freeform Rock Podcast. From our old co-host, Terrence Reardon. <laughs> 
Oh my God. I never thought I would hear Ian stick up for me, but thanks brother, I appreciate it. I am glad I left Mark in the dust. Being solo has worked wonders for me. Thanks Ralph for having my back as always. I learned that being on a show with Mark and the Arnold, what is it? Arnold Benedict, well, it's Benedict Arnold, isn't it? Yes. Well, he put Arnold Benedict. Arnold, <laughs> Arnold Benedict, known as Andrew, who quit the show without counseling me, just gave me the confidence and balls to do a show on my own and I can carry myself. Even though I sounded like an alien on Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, it did help me correct myself to the point where I can now not try to be a clone, but to just be myself and people I find out like my real self for who I am. I agree, Mark's teeth look like a hillbillies. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. You know, both these guys remind me, they remind me of this retarded girl I used to bang who I could never get to swallow. So in the end, I just shot it out the window and let nature take its course. Wow. Ouch. All right. That, and there's more comments with that episode. Uh, Two Sticks 67 on that episode said, stop brushing your teeth with a hammer. Now that's a slogan that should be on a shirt. Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> Episode 74, Saxon. This guy wrote, Michael, I can't pronounce the last name, Shevetanovich. He wrote, hate Saxon, but I love you guys. You are the best metal show ever. Informative and funny and always fair. I listen no matter what band you cover. All right, Jeff Harlett on the Sammy Hagar's Full of Stuff uh, thing wrote, I heard what you said about my mom, Ayatollah. Just for that, I'm getting you Sammy Hagar's new album, Where the Party Started, on vinyl. Oh, who's this asshole? His name is Jeff Howlett. Ha uh. De Deluxe box set. Great Metallica review, and the Sammy Van Hagar episode is next level. Long live Roth. Love you, Ayatollah. You too, All Dr. Right. Fuck. Best in the biz. All right, he was just kidding. I yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Be Real wrote, Best Kiss songs you never hear about are Almost Human, Charisma, Larger Than Life, Under the Rose. In my opinion, three sides of the coin are fucking suck dick. <laughs> Bunch of basement dweller new Kiss fags. Thank you. Thank you, Be Real. Be Real is being real. There you go. All right, Ian, we ain't got time for the news, so let's throw it on the YouTube. Uh, it's going to be a YouTube exclusive. Let's get into the review with Johnny Bogan. This is 1984. Ready? Let's do it! Well, all right, it's time to review Van Halen's 1984 album that was released in 1981. Am I right? No. No? <laughs> well, whatever. Well, this is, this is something I wanted to ask you about. Because yeah. uh, you were there. Yeah, I I've heard, I've heard that this was released on uh, New Year's Eve. Not but true. on Wikipedia. On Wikipedia, it shows January 9th, 1984. That's the true thing. But in, night, in New Year's Eve, they world premiere jump on MTV's uh, uh, New Year's Eve bash with David Lee Roth there. And oh, nice. it's really funny because David Lee Roth was completely hammered uh, being interviewed by Martha Quinn and he's hitting on her and kissing on her and shit. 
And uh, yeah, they played a jump that night. So we all heard jump for the first time uh, on the eve of 1984. And uh, it took us uh, like a week to finally hear the whole album. But yeah, it, it was obviously recorded in 83. Correct. So, oh, so, uh, um, so, so as with me is. <laughs> Oh yeah! <laughs> Ian Wadley from Wadzilla Land. And That's Ian, right. I believe we have somebody with us today, a brand new guest. That's right, never heard before. Johnny Bogan is with us, the great Johnny Bogan. All right, the Beatles miss you, Johnny! Wad and fuck, two cock rock hey, classics. Hey, Glad dude. to be here with you guys. So Johnny is a mega fan from the the Facebook page that if you're not part of it, you're going to get AIDS, so save your life. I'm saving your life. Join the fucking That's Facebook right. page. It has it has uh, the cure for AIDS and uh, lameness of the penis. That's right. So you need a hard dick. So join our page. Yeah. It's awesome. Love the page. Thank you, man. I, I love Thank it too you. whenever I'm there. And, uh, uh, Johnny, how did you discover uh, the page and the podcast? Um, I discovered the podcast. I mean, I knew you, Ian, from like, I'd seen you in like some Van Halen groups and stuff, and I didn't even know you had a podcast. I just thought you were just a straight up card carrying member of the Roth Army, which you are. Oh. But, uh, somebody, Ryan T. Russell posted the, um, Sammy Hagar is full of stuff episode, and, uh, you know, everybody was in, in one of the groups that I was in, and everybody just loved it. Everybody went crazy, and then he uh, added me to the page. And, uh, yeah, the page is awesome. That's how that's how I came to the page, and uh, I love it. It's great. Uh, and that's, that's awesome. So did, and did you go back and listen to all the old episodes? Or? I have I have listened to a lot of episodes. I've listened to the majority of episodes. I haven't listened to all of them. Shame on me. But because right. uh, I've only been on the page for probably like six months. So I, uh, I try and hit uh, Sunday when the new one comes out. And then, you know, during the week, I try and go back and, and hear what I can hear. But well, I, I, I will say at least you listen to us and, and, and listen to our radio shows more than Brian Schaefer. I, I don't he did say something, though, that, that I will uh, I will never let him live down. He did say Cabo Wabo was a musical masterpiece it, you know if only you took sammy's voice away and, and uh, uh, oh. i disagree <laughs> yeah That's not good. Who can, you know who also disagrees in science thank you <laughs> you, see, you you were on wikipedia too right <laughs> yeah <laughs> type in kaba wabo on, on wikipedia it's only like four four things it's like science is this really science <laughs> well, uh, Johnny, how long have you been listening to Van Halen? Well, I I uh, listened to Van Halen um, all my life. My dad had the cassettes, you know, when I was a kid, and uh, I wasn't like a huge fan. I can't, uh, I don't have like an epiphany moment where I was like, man, this is this is my favorite band. It just kind of grew over time. Uh, All right, well, thanks for playing, Johnny. Hey, <laughs> I, had great a, guest. I, I, I had an epiphany moment of Van Halen. Would you guys mind hearing it? <laughs> Go ahead. I had an epiphany moment 
about Van Halen was the day that I switched from cock to vagina. <laughs> now, in the late 80s, I had a relapse and I had cock and I go, hey, you know what? Cobble Wobble ain't that bad. <laughs> but then I had vagina and I woke up. And I said, God, man, Cobble Wobble sucks, not only because of Sammy, but because of Eddie, too. This song's terrible. <laughs> God, I love that JJ. Thank you. All right, well, this was, uh, this was my first Van Halen. But it sucks to come at a time where, like, you get that into him, and then next thing you know, it's gone. You know, but they just... I, I went back, and they just became... You know, my favorite band back then, probably they were, uh, you know, just one notch under Kiss. But, uh, you know, as time goes on, Kiss, you know, definitely got pumped down to number two. I, I feel Van Halen is the greatest American band of all time. Sorry, Kiss. Sorry, Aerosmith. Uh, sorry, sorry, people that don't believe in science. Yeah, sorry, Big Bushy. It's it's not Firehouse. You know, it's, 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 it's fucking Van Halen. Uh, David Lee Roth, the greatest frontman of all time. And, Great uh, Absolutely. You know, and, and Eddie. I mean, Eddie's amazing. Mike's amazing. Uh, you know, definitely not enough credit goes to Alex Van Halen, you know, who is a monster on fucking drugs. And, uh, you know, on the next album, he would be a horrible monster on Remo pads. You know, but... Uh, and you know, and Tampax pads. Yeah. And this is when they were kings, and, you know, a testament to that is, you know, Ralph, you pretty much, you, you've seen them all, and you grew up in really the most perfect era of all time for, for a hard rock fan, and, and you're brutally honest, so when you say that Van Halen was the greatest show you saw, I mean, that carries a lot of weight with me, and I've, I, you know, I've seen bootlegs and all that, but you were actually there to experience that magic that even though I, I've seen the reunion tours you know if you weren't there you weren't there to realize how they truly were the greatest bands you know yeah I mean you you guys since you weren't there you can sit there and fantasize how amazing it was and you still can't come close to what that was that show it, it, oh, it, was, it was a sign of the time too because you can never create recreate Van Halen what I saw back then, like if you saw the same exact show, uh, Fair Warning, which I felt like was the greatest show, because the very first time I saw Van Halen was uh, the Women and Children first. I was second row on Michael Anthony's side, and uh, it was at that moment the greatest show I ever saw in my life. Then when Fa Fair Warning came, I had nosebleeds, and it blew away Women and Children first. It was the most amazing show to this day I ever saw. It had, it was the time, because if you brought the Fair Warning show today, it didn't have that. We, The thing is, we've been desensitized. It, there, it, it was, there was an innocence back then. To see Daily Raw say, she looks so fucking good. Just that one little line in Center Swing, which was the second song played that night, the whole place erupted and drowned out. Now she, you, she looks so fucking good, everybody's quiet, you know, because we're desensitized. It's not like, you know, the word fucking doesn't mean really. It's it's just common language now in shows, you know. And But, you know, and Dave, like, smoking a joint on stage and all. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was just so magical. It was like, and the light show was just like, the the greatest moment I've ever seen. It, it lasted about two seconds during that show. 
was the intro to On Fire with like ban and you know and the, and the, and still the 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 stage is kind of dark and then when it goes into the part of and the band kicks in all the lights turn on and when the lights totally turn on David Lee Roth is 20 feet in the air doing a split it was just fucking it was a visual that just erupted the place and the whole show did not stop the energy of the crowd was so freaking amazing that it, it was never... Van Halen couldn't even do that again. Diver Down was an amazing tour. 84 was an amazing tour. But there was something special about 81. I didn't see 79 or 78, so I can't comment on those. But man, as far as like pure perfection, vibe, everything about this fucking band. It's, and... and and all, I owe it all to David Lee Roth, because David Lee Roth was the one that made that show. Because when they came back without David Lee Roth, that show was gone. They, you know, when they had Hagar, they had, they had fucking pyro. They had explosions on stage and still couldn't help it, you know? Anyway, so yeah, I'm sorry. You didn't finish, did you? No, but but just hearing you tell that story, I'm like, I have a full heart on it. Like, Pre-cum is dripping out the head of my cock right now. I'm I mean, too much just... into Van Halen to be interested, bro. <laughs> ditto, ditto. Oh, my God. That story was awesome. Yeah, but I, I mean, just the way you describe it, I, I mean, seriously. And, I'm it's like... still, and it's still not, I'm still not doing it justice. I'm still right. not giving you justice of what I saw that night. I can tell you, you know, through my eyes and through my words, but... The reaction, the vibe, the fucking charisma, the everything, the sound, the light show, everything about it was something I can never describe in words. There, there, there was a when Van Halen came out, <clears throat> they played I don't know maybe two, three songs, and then a light, just one single light, shined on David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth took center stage, all the way up front with that one single light on him, and he stood there. No lie, for about maybe one or two minutes without saying a fucking word. And the whole place was like, not only like cheering, but you heard this. People were just banging on chairs, you know. Ah, ah. It was like we all were possessed by the fucking big rock. You know, it was just, just a fucking <laughs> religious experience. It really was the most mind-blowing thing I've ever witnessed in my life. You know, and I will you never know, forget that shit, dude. That reminds me, you and me were at the same show. We saw, you know, the the, uh, the the Dave and Sam tour, and Sammy Hagar tried that same thing. I was like, hey, when the fuck's this guy get introduced David Lee Roth already? Get off the fucking stage. Yeah, I know. You know? We got I, lucky. I wanted... We got lucky he was an opening act that night. Oh, man, I was so happy, and I, I think I told this before, but, you know, because they were flip-flopping every night who was opening and who was closing. And by the math, it was supposed to be... Um, Sammy headlining and I was so depressed and I remember when they were taking my ticket there in West Palm and I was like I asked the guy I go who, who's who's closing tonight and he's like Dave I was like I, I just I was like yes because I planned on just seeing Dave and leaving but I stayed in the beer garden and drank during Sammy I was like fuck this shit you know I, I actually I was in the lawn during Sammy and to somewhat sit through it I, I was sucking cock <laughs> you know, you just wanted to fit in with the other guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody was sucking cock during Sammy. The whole fucking place. Yeah. All the straight I, I, guys I, were at the I, beer garden with you. 
Shit, I, I grabbed two cocks and put them in my ears. <laughs> uh, That's a man. For running around grabbing each other by the pussy. Oh, Ian, I have a recording, a little snippet of the Van Hagar, I mean the, the Sammy Hagar performance. Check it out. <laughs> That was San Diego, wow. West Palm Beach. Yeah, that, great. Only it was too long. Yeah, I know, yeah. I'm going to make a bold statement here, and all the Van Halen fans that, that I'm friends with are going to, it's going to be an incendiary, incendiary statement. I like this album better than Fear One. I know Justin Childers is with me on that. Just, I don't know that it's better. I just like it better. I like this one better than Fear One. This is my fourth favorite. Of, all right, uh, stop talking, Johnny. Stop talking. <laughs> hey, it's what I what I love. 1984, it seems like Dave let Eddie spread his wings a little bit further. Because Dave was holding poor Eddie back with that stone man, big rock party party sticking of your sister's JJ all across the land. Poor Eddie. This is where I think all the praise finally started to get to his head. This is the dawn of what was coming. But we all did not see it coming back then because we were blinded because there was this big bright diamond shining on this fucking music that it, if it would have been released in 86, these songs would be, a, musically, would be so much different to you guys. If Sammy Hagar wrote lyrics and sang these songs... We'd hate it like as uh, as much as '84. I mean, uh, fifty-one, fifty, whatever. He anally raped. Yeah, I know. I, I gotta, I gotta bash. I can't talk about '84 without bashing Sammy Hagar. I can't talk about Van Halen without bashing <laughs> Sammy Hagar. Do I blame Sammy Hagar for Van Hagar? No. Fuck no. But. Hagar didn't help matters coming with his milk toast pasty mofo bullshit. And by the way, I hate when people say mofo. Van Halen was like that killer party your friend would have when their parents were away. Hagar was like the parents coming back while Eddie and Alex and Mike had the house all clean for them before they got back. Let's look back at how all these fucking love songs Sammy and Edward were writing back then. Both known to cheat while writing love songs, okay? Now, there is some fakeness, if there ever was. Dave? Dave? Even while Eddie was stretching his wings with the new sound, Dave was talking about fucking supermodels and trying to pick up chicks near a record machine, okay? Maybe some of you Van Hagar fans can't understand why the classic Raw fans were so into what is real and saw your Red Rocker as not only a fraud, but he should be revoked from ever making music ever again, okay? But unfortunately, some people love the fake. And for any Dave bashers that say, he's fake because he's really gay and he hides it, proof or shut the fuck up, because we all have proof of how fake Van Hagar was by even having Sammy's own book talk about how he would cheat on his wife and Eddie too these were two that should be jailed on the spot and sentenced Hagar to life being a grease monkey and Edward should be sentenced to life with David Lee fucking Roth thank you yes 
Excellent rant. Excellent, Ralph. Excellent. Yes, fucking Van Hagar fans. I mean, I can see why they like it, because they are lame-ass, golf-playing honkies and khakis who are probably, you know, cuckold, and while their wife is getting drilled by, like, a seven-foot black dude, they're sitting in the corner jacking off wearing a monkey mask. Because they're little pussies. Awful. They're awful. They, they, they are, and, and, and the funny thing is, like, you can totally tell the difference between, uh, you know, Sammy fans and, and Dave fans. And what I really can't stand is these cocksuckers. Like, I, I like both lineups just the same. It's, it's all Van Halen. It could not be a polar opposite bigger than David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar. Okay, I can see people like liking both eras of ACDC, you know? Because uh, it's still ACDC. It still has that spirit. I can see liking, you know, Dio as well as Ozzy because it's still heavy fucking music. But with Van Halen, you could not get more night and day than these fucking two. I, I mean, night and fucking day. Not only did the music change, but the whole spirit. You know, it, it, it's so fucking lame. And... People who like love David Lee Roth and get David Lee Roth, you could. These are fun-loving party people. These are the guys you want to hang out with. Where the the fucking Hagar fans are always the most uptight. Like I could be in a room and somebody can rag on Dave, and, and you know I'll laugh and I'll come back with something you know to put them in their fucking place, and I don't lose my shit. But goddamn, these Hagar fans. The minute you say anything about Sammy Hagar, they just start. <laughs> crying and they can't, they can't fucking take it because they got no comeback. I mean, because they got it's no so fucking true. balls. They it sold more with Sammy Hagar. They but went I... to number one. They went to number... You know, the only reason that 84 didn't go to number one was because of fucking Thriller. How many albums were kept off of number one because of Thriller? A phenomenon that happens once in a lifetime. That's the only reason they didn't have a fucking number one. And plus, it takes time to build a band. How many number one albums did fucking Sammy Hagar have before he joined? How many number one albums did he have after he fucking left? None. None. And David Lee Roth's solo career with really only two albums that really sold a lot. Those two albums sold more than fucking Sammy's solo career. And Sammy's and put out like 57 fucking albums. Yep. The reason Van Hagar even had number one albums is because of this album we're talking about today. This album, 1984, made Sammy Hagar. It made him. And I want to put yeah, He was given interesting... the keys to the Lamborghini, and he ended them. Oh, oh, he, t- he took it, and by the time he was done, they were opening for Bon Jovi. I mean, right. case closed. And one interesting thing that has to be said, record sales do not equal awesome, because some of my favorite albums haven't really sold much. So the whole point of Daily Raw selling more doesn't really mean much in the big picture, but it does mean a lot when you have Van Hagar fans claiming that Van Hagar sold more. That's the only reason I'll bring up record sales. Like, no, you're wrong, because you seem to think that record sales mean a lot. Well, here, I'll throw this in your face. Van Halen sold more than Roth. Now, how do you like those apples? Well, they had more number ones. But what does it matter? In the long run, it's kind of like the, the, the rabbit and the tortoise. Okay, the rabbit went to number one, but in the end, the tortoise won the race. Because the rabbit stopped to suck cock. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you something. Uh, one more thing, Ian. I got to bring up a very interesting point you made. And this is the biggest difference 
between Van Hagar fans and David Lee Roth fans. You said Van Hagar fans like to be in the corner of a room jacking off while their wives are being banged by a bunch of people wearing a monkey mask. Am I correct? True. Me being a David Lee Roth fan, I did the same goddamn thing, but I wore a Nixon mask. Dave, motherfucker! <laughs> you are one tricky dick. Awesome. All right, well, why don't we get into this uh, amazing album, in my opinion. And Johnny, since you're our guest, you take the instrumental opener. Oh, uh, great. 1984. Um, okay, in my mind, this is pretty much just... Eddie sticking it to Dave and Ted Templeman. I mean, it was known that, you know, Dave had said, no one wants to hear you play the keyboards. You know, you're a guitar hero. So they get into 5150 Studios and they come up with this. I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's one of his least, I'm going to go ahead and say it's my least favorite song on the album. Okay. So like, I like all the other ones a lot, but uh, I, it does blend well into the next track, but I mean, it's, nothing special to me um i think it was kind of a fuck you to dave but that's my opinion so uh ralph what do you think uh 1984 what the fuck is this bullshit this is more dated than a donut that was made in 1984 talk about dave getting two stones to let this turd fly by him May have had some great weed but it's a minute i will never get back and i am not alone fuck yeah nixon hey man Holy shit, yeah. Uh, This sounds... It's funny, it reminds me of the horrible, like, uh, keyboard instrumentals on Black Sabbath Born Again. You know, or... or, You know, it's not even as cool as E-5150, which I really don't care about. Uh, You know, it's just... It is noodling, and it it definitely is a big fuck you. You know, because right before they recorded this, uh, Eddie had built the 5150 studio, and... uh, you know, basically did all this shit without David Templeman, and uh, yeah, it's like, man, why do you, why did he want to go this route? And that's why I, I, I also say, yeah, you can't blame Sammy for everything. You know, da- uh, Eddie's equally to blame, but it's like, god damn, you, you look at all the awesome, you know, like eruption and cathedral, you know, and you know, shit like that. And the silence you know, between tracks. Yeah, this sounds. You're absolutely right. But yeah, this is this is too much Eddie. This is what happens when you let Eddie steer the ship. That's why you need David Lee Roth and Ted Templeman, I believe, for quality control. But it is what it is, and then it leads into the biggest hit of the band's career, for better or for worse, Jump. Uh, now I I love Jump, and I love it when it came out. I, I still love it to this day. I mean, there was a period where I would always, you know, I would skip it because it just, you know, just so burned out. But this is a prime example of how, you know, Dave can make chicken salad out of chicken shit. You know, because, yeah, it, it is dated with the keyboards and everything, but the enthusiasm and, and the swagger from David Lee Roth is what sells the song. And what you know makes it what it is, and you know a number one single. Yeah, their first number one single, you Sammy Hagar fucks, an absolute classic uh, for a reason. I love it. What do you think, Johnny? Uh, I think it's one of the greatest songs 
of that decade. Um, really one of the greatest pop songs ever, uh, pop rock songs. That being said, um, probably other than you know, 1984, probably my least favorite on the album. I love it, though. Um, but I, I can acknowledge that it's a great song. I mean, it's awesome. Um, couple funny things. Eddie claimed, there's a, there's a dispute between Dave. Eddie claims that he wrote this song in 1981. And he also claimed that I wrote that he, when he was playing the keyboard, he was playing Jump, the keyboard, according to Eddie, started to smoke and, and like blew up. So this is what he claims. And he claims that this was during like the recording of Fair Warning. Dave says that's bullshit. Dave says he never would have passed on it. You know, who, who to believe? I, I don't know. And, and Dave, uh, he, he claims that he wrote this one uh, while at the lyrics, while watching the news and someone was going to jump off a building and everyone was screaming, don't jump. And he said he was thinking to himself, fuck it, dude, jump. So... That's what he claims. I like Jump. I, I not one of my favorites, but I acknowledge that it's a it's a great great song, um, like a once in a lifetime hit for for any band uh, and for Van Halen too. And it it probably really um, made him the biggest band in the world. Uh, Ralph, what do you think? Uh, I think Jump is uh, taken for granted because it's so huge and played out, but it's pure. Diamond Dave brilliance that makes this dying to be Van Hagar tune into a total Diamond Dave fucking brilliant fucking song. He gave it an infectious melody and great structure. Just a gorgeous song that's executed perfectly. This is probably one of his greatest moments in my opinion. This is him taking uh, a, 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 basically a Van Hagar song uh, that Hagar would have turned into, you know, I love you, baby, until I go on tour, where Dave, <laughs> Dave was like, I just want whoever the fuck I find attractive near a record machine. It's a great song, and I appreciate it more today than I ever have. I'm proud to say I'm a huge fan of Jump, and no, it's not my least favorite on this album. Bam! All right, All right Ralph, why don't you take the next one? Panama! Now this one has not aged well with me at all. In fact, I will say this is one of is the only Van Halen song I don't care to ever hear this ever again, especially live. But I know I'm in the minority, so tough shit for me. But at least I deal about you know, at least it's a song about a car and I guess driving around uh, looking for some record machine with some hot babes. I love Panama. I, uh, it's, it's a great song. I love, uh, it's one of the best driving songs, um, on your car, like, uh, just on the highway, um, play this song all the time. Uh, I saw a video on Facebook the other day of Juliette Lewis, who I think is super sexy. She was lip syncing the, the breakdown. Um, I thought that was cool. Um, uh, I just, I love this song. According to, uh, Dave said on the Howard Stern show that uh, he wrote this about a, a stripper that he had met in Arizona for what it's worth. I don't know. Uh, a lot of people say it's about a car. I think it, you know, he said that too. So might be a blend of both. But uh, it's one of my favorite tracks on the album, actually. I think it sounds great today, too, still. Um, I love Panama. What do you I, think, uh, Ian Wadley? I, I, I want to say before Ian says anything, uh, Van Halen, the very first time I saw Van Halen, 
on the women and children first. They did uh, a guest appearance on WSHE, which you could hear on YouTube. It's a brilliant interview. It's that. It's the greatest Van Halen interview you'll ever hear because they're so fucking out of control. And I, dude, I taped this before I went to go see them. There. They were so on fire and psyched to play this show. And during that interview, Dave said, I'm going to reach down between my legs and ease the seat back. He said it in 1980. That's so cool. He said it in 1980. You can hear it on YouTube. Van Halen, WSHU. Go ahead, Ian. I got to check that out. Yeah, no, I've heard that interview. It is awesome. Uh, I, I'm totally on the opposite uh, spectrum of Ralph on this one. I never, ever get tired of hearing this. I think it is a perfect Van Halen song and everything that's great about Van Halen is on this especially you know the attitude and the, and the fucking swagger of, of David Lee Roth you know with that reach down between my legs ease the seat back I mean nobody nobody could do that Hagar could never do that they even did a live version of this but he didn't do that part of it because he can't I mean he, he, he couldn't in his wildest well, dreams. Well, well, if he did, he'd go, I reached down between my legs and pulled the Tampax out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fucking horrible. Uh, but this song, I never, ever get tired of. And, you know, there's been speculation about what, you know, lyrically what it's about. But I have heard musically that this was... Eddie Van Halen's tribute to ACDC. Like, this was him writing an ACDC song. And, you know, ever since I heard that, I was like, man, I, I do kind of see, I mean, other than the breakdown, which is very on ACDC, uh, the rest of it, just that riff, you know, I can totally see that being like an homage to uh, to Malcolm and Angus. And, and I fucking, I mean, oh. This is Dave at his fucking best, you know. And I mean, now this is a song. This is a song that I don't think anybody could fuck up, well, other than Hagar. But you know, you know what I mean. It's like it's just so good, but nobody can take it to that next level like David Lee Roth does with that breakdown. I mean, to me, it's it's just the way it chugs along and how amazing it is. But then that breakdown just takes it into the stratosphere of an, of an all-time fucking classic. Absolutely amazing. I love it. All right. Well, Johnny, you take the next one because I know you've got a lot to say about this next song, Top Jimmy. Uh, okay. Top Jimmy. Uh, this song's my favorite track on the album. Um, I love I love the intro. Um, but, Dave, this is a lyrical masterpiece from Dave. Now, I mean, just how fucking cool of a guy must this guy have been that Dave wrote a fucking song about him. Um, so, Top Jimmy was a guy by the name of James Paul Consec. And um, him and Dave, their paths must have crossed in Los Angeles. Uh, likely, I'm going to reference now Greg Renoff, uh, Van Halen Rising uh, author, wrote a great article uh, called Starting from Zero. Um, and it's about the Zero Zero nightclub, this underground nightclub in L.A., um, this guy weighs out a camera and started this after hours nightclub and Dave went there all the time the bartender was Top Jimmy um, so 
there was like a room. The article's great. I'll put it up on the Facebook page. There was like a trap door behind the bar. And Dave, when he'd get there, he'd go up up in the secret room above the ceiling and he'd be like, Moisada, I got some blow. You know, they'd go upstairs and start the party. And um, so Top Jimmy was the bartender there. Um, and there's just legendary stories about Top Jimmy. Like Bob Forrest tells a story about uh, Top Jimmy's the, the first guy that shot him up with heroin. And um, Top Jimmy used to have these benefits. Uh, he'd claim he was... was uh, arrested or needed money and he'd have these benefit concerts and uh just keep the money and like uh live and, and just, these, just all these stories about this guy and he was like a, a local uh a legend guys he had this band top jimmy and the rhythm pigs and back in this time like la was a big punk scene and they had these gigs at a place called the cafe de grand and people would go down and, and sit in with them like Tom Waits, David Lee Roth, all kinds of famous people would go uh, and sit in uh, to play with this band. And they were freaking intense. I mean, like, animals. Like, Top Jimmy, I have I have video footage of this, and I've shared it on the Facebook page. I don't think people really get it, get what it is and make the connection. But um, I have a, a, a real good uh, video that I'll put up of them playing at the Cafe de Grand. And Top Jimmy is just, he's got a cigarette in one hand and a bottle of booze in the other the whole time. And he's just going at it, singing these blues songs, just completely hammered. And I know, like, I, I got into this and I, like, started Facebook, becoming Facebook friends. Like, I'm, I'm friends with their drummer, Joey Morales, and I message him all the time. Like, tell me about Dave and Top Jimmy. And he'll message me stories. And Joey, I'm going to share this with you, so I apologize for being a pain in the ass, but I just love this shit. Like, he'll tell me stories about Dave and, and Top Jimmy singing blues songs all night long at, at the Zero Zero Club. And so Dave must really like this guy. So if you look at the lyrics, like, Top Jimmy cooks. Like, Top Jimmy was a cook at a place called the Top Taco. That's how he got his name, Top Jimmy. Um, but... Uh, they played so well that the roof fell in. That happened. That's a true story. Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs were playing at the Cafe de Grand, and they were rocking so hard. I don't know if that's why the roof fell in, but the roof fell in, and they didn't even stop. They were so fucked up, they just kept playing. And uh, I'm a big fan of the song. I'm a big fan of Top Jimmy. Um, uh, I'll, I'll share some stuff on the Facebook page. page. Just a really interesting guy. I mean... You guys ever see the show New Wave Theater? No. You remember there was there was a, a show. Uh, I think it might have been a local show in LA called New Wave Theater. They were on there one night, and uh, Top Jimmy got so drunk. It was on TV. At the end of the song, he just he just fell back into the drum risers after the song. But it's just uh, something I'm really interested in. I think it's a cool story, um, and that's why uh, I really like this track. It's my favorite one on the album. Yeah, okay. Ralph, what do you think? Alright. <clears throat> Musically, I find this song to be a departure. But lyrically, it brings it back home. Yes, I, I know the whole story. I actually have a picture of Dave with that band on stage. I think you've probably seen it too. You probably have it. I've seen I've seen a couple. I actually Joey Morales has sent me a couple uh picks that he has and i've seen a, a couple around on the internet yeah yeah i i um I, yeah i have a picture of it and i didn't know about this top jimmy guy until maybe like five years ago i didn't 
I didn't realize it was an actual. I always thought it was a fictional character that they, you know, whatever. Well, I didn't even think that. I just didn't think about it. But, uh, but uh, little, you know, the way Dave just breezes his way talking about this cool motherfucker that still will never be as cool as the guy singing about him. But I digress. It's a deep track, never played live. I dig it. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm bashing it. But musically, it's missing the balls that Van Halen has. But it's just hard to notice because Dave once more saves the day. This song, musically, could very well be in a fucking Van Hagar song. It has I that... I agree with that. It has, you know, that uh, finish what you started a little bit in there. You know, that little guitar twangy thing and Dave like, makes this song cool as fuck. It's a Dave song, dude. It's Dave shining on a, a song musically not as ferocious as classic Van Halen. And I'll say this, I think there's only two songs on this album that has that ferocious Van Halen um, ba- you know, what they had back then. And even one of those two songs I have a problem with, but I'll get into that later. The rapid fire vocals, the the, the little harmony he does with the Jimmy on the television, nah, 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 you know, it's really cool shit and really well structured uh, vocal melodies and uh, it's a fun yeah, song. I, love I, I like that. I like the song. I think it's fun. It's great, but I think it's only great because of Dave musically. It's you know, it's great because of Dave. Even the music sounds cool because of Dave, but. Get somebody else to sing this, it'd be a terrible, with different lyrics, uh, it would be like, you know, terrible. Like, you know, if, if Sammy wrote this, would be, it'd probably be called uh, Jimmy on Top of Me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> We're working on the Jimmy. Oh, man. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think this is a total deep track but I love it musically and lyrically and I, I like that it's a little bit of departure because I don't think it's like as pussified is is what you know Van Hagar would be musically I don't think it's that neutered um, I just dig it and it's it's one of those songs that when people bash 84 you know and, and a lot of times I, I think the bashing of 84 all has to do with jump and maybe to a lesser extent I'll wait but, you know, I, I think it's it's one of those things when you get so huge, all of a sudden, you know, you're a target. And but this is this is a song that I would bring up to people and say, well, this is why you can't discount 1984 is because of songs like Top Jimmy. And I, I didn't know all this shit about Top Jimmy. Uh, to tell you the truth, it's just one of those things where like. I've probably sung the lyrics a million times, but really didn't even register what they were, just because it's so edged in my fucking head. Uh, but I, I love, love Top Jimmy. Uh, amazing, and, and it fits so perfect in this. I would love to hear this live. This would be, there's one song on this album that I, I wanted to hear even more, that, that I know Ralph got to see that I didn't. But this would be, man, if they broke out Top Jimmy live, uh, you know, real Van Halen fans, I think, would go ape shit. I, I don't think it's, I don't think there's a wasted note on this. It's a short song. It's you know just a second under three minutes, shortest song on the album. 
that, I, that little intro, though, the beginning, it's the song that Eddie had written for a soundtrack called Ripley. Um, and it was it's on a soundtrack somewhere. Well, that, well, that well, beginning. well Rip, Ripley is from the movie, um, oh, fuck, uh, the, uh, the Wildlife. All right. Well, then we go into what could be um, my favorite song on the album, Drop Dead Legs. Oh, my God. This is a pure example of how Dave will crawl through the, your fucking headphones or your stereo and fuck your old lady right in front of you. Dave is so fucking sexy on this song. The, the way he sings about this bitch is so... Oh, my God. He's like, nice white teeth, Betty Boop. Oh, man, and you just, you know, you almost picture this Betty Page-esque, you know, whore that you know Dave is going to fuck this shit out of. And, man, it's, it, songs do not get much sexier than this. I mean, this is, uh, this is what Dave brought to the party. And this is why, you know, he was, you know, the, the chicks, the guys, you know, the, the guy the chicks wanted and the, and the guys wanted to beat. The prime example, Dave through and through Dave at the top of his game uh, I, I don't know if this was played on the actual 84 tour but I know they played it on the last tour which unfortunately I didn't get to see it didn't come to New Orleans yes but, it uh, was not played in 84 no okay but uh, man this is one I would have loved to loved to heard live and <laughs> I'll never forget uh, leaving West Palm uh, seeing an Ozfest and man we're, we're fucking wasted me, me and my buddy Matt were walking away and some dude's blaring 84 from his fucking Camaro you know and it's just so perfect seeing this you know like old Camaro blaring Van Halen I mean that just it goes hand in hand and uh, right after Top Jimmy the guy fucking changed and put something else on and my buddy went ape he's like nobody cuts off drop dead legs you motherfucker <laughs> he was and screaming at this guy. This guy, like, you know, just like, you know, his eyes got as big as saucers. He had no idea what he did wrong. But, man, my buddy ate his ass up. Nobody does that. Put that shit back on, you motherfuckers. Drop dead legs. Oh, and, oh man. Van Halen through and through to me. Absolutely love this one. What do you think, Ralph? All right, I'm going to get bashed for this one. Oh, uh, you piece of shit. I love Dave's <laughs> lyrics. I, I, I do like the lyrics. I think it's a cool tune, but and all, but I don't love it as much as everyone else. I know it's a very love track, cause it's a deep track on, on like such a popular album that, you know, normally that does happen a lot. And uh, also this song is in drop D, whatever the fuck that means. You know, they drop D tune or whatever. All I know, I don't pay attention, you know, uh, how you execute, you know, it's like, don't pay so much attention how to execute it and let it breathe, motherfucker, like full bug. I have a problem with this song as, as far as musically, again, just like Top Jimmy. I feel like, again, drop that legs, you take away the vocals, and it sounds like Summer Nights. That's how I feel. I'm uh, uh. And I know, boy, right now, Ian going, oh. I'm telling you about like 95% of the people listening are probably doing the same thing. But I got to be honest with you, man. I mean, come on. You got to fucking... I, I just got to tell you how I feel about this song. And I do feel musically this is a sign of what was coming. All right, John, cheer me up. 
I, I love Drop Dead Legs. Uh, I think it's awesome. Um, I can see, though, I can see Ralph's point somewhat. Um, oh, God. But I still love the movie. Oh, the line, how can you agree with moves, me? vampire that Dave delivers. I mean, that the way he delivers that line is fucking awesome. Um, I love love the song. I got to see him play it. Uh, and, and actually, it was a great song for Dave live because, I mean, it just there's not too much of the... You know, Rothisms, as I, I call them in it. You know, uh, so um, I'm a fan fan of Drop Dead Legs. Uh, like the song. Um, yeah. Don't guys- don't don't hurt yourself, Jesus Christ. And 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 Johnny, like if I have anything negative to say about a song, don't agree with me because it upsets me when anybody bashes classic Van Halen. Well, I didn't completely agree with you. I said I could see where you're coming from. Oh, don't, man, I, that's not right. I love Drop Dead Legs. Stop seeing where I'm coming from. It offends me. I All love right. Van Halen. <laughs> All right, Ralph. Uh, why don't you tell me how Hot for Teacher reminds you of right the now? The true spirit of Van Halen finally shows up on this fucking album. This is where Dave and Eddie came together. Dave did not carry the weight here. Edward was on big time on this track. Pure, classic, unzip your zipper and let your worm fly to the nearest hot chick's mouth. And Edward, well, he was doing that back then, even when he was married. Nothing fake musically at all. This is Edward coming to from that haze of you're the fucking new Beethoven and smacked into reality that this is pure nothing but Fucking Van fucking Halen. No overthinking. Just let it go. Meet you at the end of the song. And fuck seatbelts. Yeah! I fucking Van Halen, baby. Best song on the album. And the greatest music video ever made. And let me tell you something. Watching that music video, I'll just it, it gives you a little, little insight of how amazing Van Halen was live. Because when you see that fucking part where the little kids are in the room and it's all black and white, and when that stripper chick comes out and the shit turns color, that is fucking Van Halen. Thank you. Nice. Johnny, what do you think? Uh, I agree with Ralph. (laughs) I mean, uh, way to say it. I mean, this track's awesome. This is my second favorite one on the album, and it fucking rocks, man. the, The drums. The drums are just amazing. I mean, those drums and when Eddie comes in, I mean, just such an awesome song. And I, I agree, though, uh, with Ralph on that it's not a song carried by Dave. I mean, it's definitely carried by, you know, the rest of the band. Um, when I saw them this last tour, when I saw Van Halen, though, Dave does an awesome, awesome part when he goes, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't care. Let the motherfucker burn. And then, you know... Eddie and, and Al jump right in and start jamming. Um, I love Hot for Teach. I love the video. The video is just so cool. Such a fucking cool video. Um, great. One of my favorite all-time Van Halen songs, for sure. Sit down, Waldo! <laughs> Sit down, Waldo. What's the other line that is... Uh, oh, uh, Ma, I, you know, know I'm not like the other kids. I'm nervous and my socks are too loose. <laughs> I love that shit, man. I don't feel tardy. That's a classic, classic. Oh yeah, line. yeah, yeah. I don't feel tardy. That's you know, that's that's pure genius because it's like you know, it's like you're tardy. Well, I don't feel tardy. You know, it's like it's just pure genius. Yeah, that, 
the whole vibe of this song is just all you can tell it's like oh yeah eddie shut the fuck up one take get in there you know and that's exactly what you get on this song this is pure fucking band this is the band halen i love and i know it's one of the hits on the album and i think it has tainted it for a lot of people like well yeah you know drop that leg bro i mean that one you don't hear as much so you know it's gonna have more cred but fuck that noise man hot for teacher is for me the real the truest van halen song on this album as there's another song coming up that's very true van halen too but not like hot for teacher because hot for teacher is true van halen and uh let's fuck the teacher and it's like just fun it's a fun fucking song you know and i mean come on listen to the fucking title hot for teacher who hasn't had a teacher you didn't want to fucking bang well i don't know about you guys but in south florida we got some hot teachers <laughs> great title dave i mean uh <laughs> i absolutely love this as a matter of fact if you do not love this song you really deserve a bullet in the back of the fucking head you know, just put you out of your fucking misery. If you don't like the song, then you're still hot for teacher, but your teacher's a man. Exactly. <laughs> um, one one thing that I will disagree with you guys on, though, is Dave absolutely carries this song. And I'm, I'm not saying that the other guys don't pull their weight, but there is no hot for teacher without Dave. Well, this is pure... And, and, and there, you of know, course not. You could never, ever, you know, Van Halen could never do a song like this without Dave and, and you know, and stuff like I Don't Feel Tardy. You know, that is, it is Dave through and through, and you can tell Dave is the inspiration for this. Now, you know, is Eddie's solo fucking amazing? Hell yeah. Is, you know, is Alex drumming uh, revolutionary? Fucking A right it is. But this is Dave through and through they could never do this without him he I, I mean everything from the fucking video which is so hilarious i mean yeah you know, there's where ralph's absolutely right the greatest video ever done and it's so funny the little part where they're doing the dance and uh you know there's stories about how many takes it took because alex could not do that move to save his fucking life and if you go back and watch it he never gets it right you know, he let me tell you a... something. Every time they're dancing, my eyes are always on Alex Van Halen during that part. Because yeah. it, it's just so infectious how bad he is. It's perfect. Yeah. You know, it's perfect how he, he's not in sync with everybody else. It's great. I love it. And that's another thing great about Van Halen. It's like, dude, we're doing it spontaneous. It, it's not perfect, but yet it's better than perfect. I, I always wondered if... Uh... If, you know, he couldn't get those dance moves down because he's still mad about Dave fucking his wife. Hey, and, uh, Yeah, a big bone of contention in the Van Halen uh, family was uh, reportedly Dave fucked Alex's fiance, who, who he ended up marrying her. The marriage didn't last long at all. But uh, I, I have heard that story, and that was a big part of the problem. And uh, a lot of people say Alex never got over that. And if Dave did that, as much as I love Dave, that's kind of shitty because Dave could have fucked any woman in the world back then and probably still now. And, you know, and probably those drums are so good because he was wishing it was Dave's fucking head when he was hitting them. <laughs> yeah, that's why there was many drums that... Yeah, like, oh, you motherfucker! Yeah, but you had to fuck her! 
But yeah, but yeah, that 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 first marriage didn't last long because you know probably Aldo Nova got a piece of that shit too, you yeah. know. And Eddie, if if he was on tour. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, a Hotford teacher, man, just amazing. And I I do agree with you, Ralph. I mean, all the spirit of, of True Van Halen is present. I mean, that's something that that really could have fit on any Van Halen album. Yeah. You know, from the first one through that, where, you know, some of these songs are definitely a product of the time. That could have been on the debut or, or you know, or Women and Children First just as easily as 84. Absolutely amazing. All right, well, then we go into one. Now, this is kind of weird because this was actually the second single from the album, yet they never did a video. Well... They started to do a video. Uh, do a video. There's footage online on YouTube where they started to do it, and then they just stopped. And I believe it had to do with uh, they were getting ready for the tour and just didn't have time. But I'll wait. Uh, I think it's absolutely amazing. I didn't know for, for years that Michael McDonald had a co-write on it because on the original album he's not credited. But if you buy it now, it, it does show Michael McDonald as a co-writer. Wow. But uh, an amazing song, uh, very much a, a pop song, but it's just, it's perfect. And I, you know, I, I used to, you know, I used to play drums uh, before I played guitar. And man, I just used to drum to this all the time and practice, you know, in my grandparents' basement, uh, you know, playing along to that. You know, I just thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. I mean, to me, that was cooler than fucking... Uh, you know, that, that Phil Collins shit, you know, that everybody does, you know. I'm like, oh, wait, that's the ultimate drum part. Uh, but it's just got a cool, sexy swagger to it. Uh, that, again, is pure Dave. And, and this is one... Now, this is one I, I, I could see what you were talking about in earlier songs, rather, where, you know, this is foreshadowing what's to come. This could have been a Van Hagar song. And... And God, this would have been horrible. And you're absolutely right. I would have been bashing this if Sammy got a hold of it. But as it is, even being a, a pop song and, and a little bit ballady, uh, you know, just Dave swoops in like the fucking superhero coxman he is and saved the day. And I, I, I think it's a beautiful song. I absolutely love it. It is different, but it's still Van Halen to me. What do you think, John? Uh, I like it. I think it's really different. Agree, super sexy. Um, it's got a swagger to it. Um, it's it's. I think it's kind of weird though that they brought uh, Michael McDonald in. I mean, it, I was reading something uh, today about it before uh, we started that they were trying to get him to talk about it in an interview. They were trying to get McDonald to talk about what it was like working with Dave and. He just he, he went, didn't really say much. Just said it was an interesting experience, and I think he's still a little. Uh, there seemed to be a little bit of animosity about him. I heard what I read is that what he was on the original, and then on a couple later versions of the album, he was taken off as a co-writer, and now he's back on the most recent releases. That's that's what I read earlier. But um, well, I can I, I can I can look into that because I have the original pressing. But yeah, that's what I was reading earlier, and I, I think I think all the things you say are true. It does bother me a little bit. Did you know Dave? He sounds great on the album, but I just wonder, you know, how much of the lyrics are Dave's and how much are Michael McDonald's, who 
Templeman, I guess, produced the doobies and brought him in. And yeah, I don't know. That, that, that's what I always assumed too, is because of uh, you know Templeman's association with the Doobie Brothers that uh, you know that that's how it started. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. And you said what you read. He was vague about it. I don't know if you know McDonald's contributions was musically or lyrically. You know, it could have been just song structure wise. It but, what I read it was lyrics. It was lyrics. He, he went oh, to okay. Templeman's office, and uh, him and Dave. He he had some some lyrics already written down, and then him and Dave started going back and forth with what he had. That that's what I read th- this morning, actually. Okay. But I'd never heard that before until today when I was like, hey, I'm gonna look into some shit. And uh... but I like the song. I love it. I can't believe there wasn't a video. I think if there was a video, it would have been a huge video, and the song would have been a huge hit. Well, I mean, well, have you, have you I, seen what's on YouTube? No, I don't think I've seen the beginnings of the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go on YouTube, uh, uh, they, they have, it's uh, it's like acting footage. It's like a girl walking around and stuff, you know. It's like there's no, the Van Halen parts with the band were never recorded, but they went into pre-production and it's basically like, you know, a girl walking around like in Paris or some shit. I have and, seen uh, I thought it was like a fan-made thing. I didn't know no, that that no, 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 no. Yeah, no, that's actual, that's footage that, you know, and it was supposed to be like that mixed in with the band and everything. But the funny thing is, uh, you know, Templeman wanted this removed from the album. He, he didn't think it was right, and, and Eddie and Don Landy were the ones who pushed for it to be included on the album. Yeah, I, I mean, I love it. I think it's a great song. I mean, uh, what do you think, Ralph? I'll Wait is my second favorite track on the album. I know it sounds weird because uh, it doesn't really have the classic Van Halen sound that I've been complaining about most of this album. But uh, it's just an infectious track. I love it. I, I love my only little gripe, and it's very little, is the little part where... Uh, Edward tickles the ivories a little bit too much on the on the keyboards where it goes you know that part it's the only part <laughs> that's like come on just stick with the gunk, 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 gunk. it's still got that little driving thing going and Dave's lyrics about the supermodel which I don't know man I have a hard time thinking that Michael McDonald had anything to do with this but I could be wrong but it just sounds to me like total Dave you know I find this does. song infectious and and one of Dave's greatest vocal performances a song that musically was given into the right hands the hands of a guy that wants to fuck a supermodel fuck yeah Dave no rings on that fucking finger Dave <laughs> and probably uh, has I, I would like to hear fucking Michael McDonald's like demo for this it's probably like okay believe I'm on a bad hill <laughs> That shit's spot on, bro. <laughs> I, I love Michael McDonald. I've seen him twice. <laughs> yeah, right? That guy, that guy's got a black man's voice. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, he does. That guy's too too black sounding to be to be so white. Soulful voice, uh, that guy. Yeah, I own Minute by Minute. I, I like that album. Yeah. I keep Ah, all right. Well, I'll take a song. I already know how you feel about this, you know, just through personal conversations. But I'll take the real dark horse of this record, 
and that's Good Girl or Girl Gone Bad. Uh, now, this is a song Eddie said kind of came to him in a dream one night. He was in a hotel with uh, with Valerie, and he said he woke up and just like had to put it down, and he's like playing his guitar real softly uh, and, you know, using a tape recorder to record the riff because he didn't want to wake Valerie up. Uh, it, I, I would say, you know, besides, of course, 1984, the instrumental, it would be my least favorite track, but there's a darkness to the song that I, that I like. Um, you know, the, the album ends, ends kind of weirdly for a Van Halen album, but, uh, there's just something I, that I love about this, and I, I, I love the tapping in that... Uh, I don't know. There's and where where Dave takes this song is uh, it's just real seedy, and I, I like that aspect of it. To me, it's kind of a song that maybe isn't like fully fleshed out. Like if they if they would have spent a little bit more time on this song, it could have developed uh, even more. But I still love "Good Girl Gone Bad." What do you think, Johnny? Um, I like this song, I and mean, it's not one of my. Uh... Not one of the standout tracks for me. I, I like the vibe though. I think it's got that dark vibe. I completely agree with uh, with that. Um, I was going to actually ask Ralph. Did you see? Did you ever see any of the shows where they used to take like the middle section of this song and work it into somebody get me a doctor? It was. Um, uh, you can see that footage on the Us Festival. Yeah, yeah. and Largo Largo eighty two. I've seen it, um, and it just. Uh, Make somebody get me a doctor. Awesome. I mean, that's one of my favorite live versions of uh, somebody get me a doctor when they when they work this into it. But I mean, it's a good song. Um, I like it. One thing I was going to bring up, uh, I wanted to bring this up earlier, but uh, I want to talk about the cover real quick because uh, I was reading the cover is one of my favorite covers of any album of all time. I think it's so cool. Um, the original cover of this album was supposed to be uh, the, the band wanted like four android like metallic figures like walking on a stage and they went to the artist and she didn't feel like she could do it and she gave him her sketchbook and she they picked out you know the baby angel smoking but interesting story Brian Schaefer who we were talking about earlier he's Facebook friends with the the kid who was the model for that kid by the name of Carter Helm and has posted some pictures of him today. Just interesting story, but um, back to you know, Girl Gone Bad. Uh, you know, it's a good song. Not one of the standout tracks for me. You know, um, I like it though. Um, Ralph, what do you think about it? Um, Girl Gone Bad. Here's where Edward once again, uh, total musical guitar orgy. Uh, I think it's a kick-ass tune, but I still can't help but feel the shift change happening in this song. This is just something musically about this one that does not have that spark for me as the other older ones did. Kind of trying too hard to prove he's the greatest rock guitar player of all time, and in my opinion, I think he is. But fucking trying to prove it just seems forced. Loved by many, but honestly... It is like my least favorite track on this album, but uh, but I, I still would take watching this, them play this live than Panama. But I'll tell you this, uh, on the Different Kind of Truth Tour, they were flip-flopping this song 
Um, one night they played Girl Gone Bad, the next night they, they, they would switch it with Out of Love Again, which is one of the greatest Van Halen songs ever. And I was praying, like, like Ian was praying that Dave would headline the Sam and Dave tour. I was praying <laughs> that I'd catch one of those nights where they do um, uh, Out of Love. And and what was very scary about it was I would I would check the set list of all the shows coming before mine. And, dude, I saw Girl Gone Bad like on three, four shows in a row before my show. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I think they dropped it. Dude. I went to the show. They played out a lot again. So yeah, that's what I got too. And I saw Girl Gone Bad on the 1984 tour. So hey, all is good. But um, yeah, uh, this song is like, you know, it, it's not. I, I do like all the guitar playing, but it'd be better if it was like on that Ripley or that Wildlife thing. You know, like a song like that. This song I think would be better as an instrumental. I never thought about it like that. Like this is an instrumental, and this could have been in, instead of you know the you know dreadful 1984. If it opened with this as an instrumental, that could have been a, a great way to open up the album. Oh yeah, great. But they'd have to shave it down. I mean, you can't yeah. have like a, an opening track on a Van Halen song like that long. It'd be a little weird. Right, but, but you then know, again, like, take, so was 1984. Take take the best parts of it though. I I don't know. I, yeah, I like I agree with either you. way, but I, 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 I think it, it could work as an instrumental. Yeah, I, I agree with you too. I, I, I think I would definitely love this to be a shaved down instrumental instead of that stupid Casio bullshit that sounds so fucking dated, man. Anyway, yeah, but yeah. but hats off to Lee Gersman. He tried real hard on that yeah, song. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> All right, the final track, House of Pain, heavy from the demo days, and you know. Before Van Halen ever got back together, I did find it kind of weird how back in the demo days, House of Pain, when it ended, it would bleed into Running with the Devil. You guys ever heard that? It's like yeah. two songs in Gene one. Gene claims he fixed that. Huh? Uh, yeah, that's Gene. He claims that he he he's the one that made it the, the intro to Running with the Devil, that, that intro. Yeah. Yeah, he also invented Van Halen. I but uh, Daddy Long <laughs> but but don't you feel it's kind of weird how this song bleeds into Running with the Devil and back then Running with the Devil the very first track on the very first album House of Pain the very last track on the on on the, yeah. on the then last album which was kind of an eerie coincidence but uh, right. I feel this song is heavy and my only problem with this song and it's a big problem it's a huge problem I cannot understand why the vocals are so low in the mix. That always bothered me about this song. Lift up the goddamn vocals in the mix. Other than that, I love this song. I feel like this has the elements of true Van Halen, one foot out the door type shit, dark and badass. Edward driving the point, especially when it goes into that fast change out of nowhere, like. Dude, it doesn't make sense how you can go from that section to the other section because they're not overthinking the shit. They didn't put the little boundary, and I love that. That's pure vibe. No overthinking shit. Then that stinky groove at the end with uh-uh, uh-uh, bringing this badass song home for the history books. I love House of Pain. Just wish the vocals were uh, put up. 
and uh, like Hopper Teacher, I think these are the two songs on this album that has the true spirit of Van Halen. I feel. Thank you. It's fair warning-ish. Yes. Johnny, what do you think? Uh, I love it. Uh, I think agree with uh, what Ralph said. I, I love that it's dark. I love that it's heavy. I think that it, it, it contrasts well um, with the other stuff on this album that's not so heavy. I mean, I think... Um, that's why I, I like this album a lot. I mean, uh, you've got some pop songs, some popular songs, some lighter songs, and you've got the still those fair warning sounding songs like this, Hot for Teacher. Um, I'm a big fan. I like the the other version. I think you played. Did you play the um, the zero version on your show last week, Ian? I think you played yeah, it last week. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah, I love that version too. Um, I wish that those would come out. I wish that uh, Gene would would release some of those. Uh, um, oh, Gene! I think Gene that, gave what? it to them. Yeah, yeah. No, no, they have it, and, as and a they won't fact, release it. Yeah. What 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 they were gonna do originally before the, this last live album came out? That's the next release was gonna be the demos. Oh, like I they, didn't know they, that. It, it's not forty, but you know Eddie could care less. You know Eddie. I, I, I worship Eddie, but he, what a fucking prick, you know? And I, I just think there's this, this huge animosity uh, he has against Dave, and I think still to this day. And I, I, think, oh, it's I, agree. I, I think it's because he knows he needs Dave. And Dave needs Eddie. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, eat him and smile, you know, blows away anything in the Van Hagar uh, catalog. But for the most part, he needs Eddie, and Eddie needs him, and I, I, I think that's Eddie can't get over that, you know. Where Dave, I, I, I agree. I, I, I think Dave is fine with it. Like, hey, buddy, we don't get along, but look what we bring out in each other. And, and I, 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 where Dave can accept that, I don't think Eddie can, because he's too hung up on. I'm, a, I'm a musician, you know. I'm not just a guitar god. I'm a music god, period. And, Eddie just seems like a really miserable prick. It's that yin and yang that brings out the best in him. You know, it's it's not too different than uh, you know uh, Stephen Tyler and Joe Perry or Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. You know, they don't see eye to eye. Each one is kind of jealous in the other one in a different way, but they bring out something in each other. You know, and it's uh, you know it's, to me it, it, it's kind of like me and Ralph. You know, me and Ralph have butted heads multiple times, but you get us together. You know, Ralph makes me a, a better part of the show, and I think I bring out something good in him. I mean, it's it's that chemistry that if you have it, it's like lightning in a bottle, and if you just accept it, you can do anything. And, and a lot you know, of sexual tension helps too. Yeah, that's right. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ralph and I are like one one long episode of Moonlighting. We never kiss, we never fuck, and that's what keeps the tension alive. Yeah. You know? <laughs> if, if me and Ralph ever just said fuck it and did it, uh, th this show would sound like every other podcast. It'll sound like Van Hagar. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, ow. Ow. <laughs> yeah. You but, know, uh, we're, we're now like Jaggers and Richard, but if we fuck it, we'll be like fucking Sammy Hagar and a piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is there a difference? <laughs> But, uh, no, this is a great way to end the album, and, and unfortunately it ended in an era. And, man, I don't even know if I can think of another band 
that broke up at the absolute height like this, you know, and it's just, it, it, it's a damn shame, uh, but, you know, luckily, you know, they came back, everybody's got to see the tours, which were amazing, we got an incredible album, in my opinion, uh, you know, Different Kind of Truth, I think is a smoking awesome. album. I, I think the only thing that could have made it better was Ted Templeman, uh, you know, that's my only gripe, but, uh, man, I, I would love to hear another one, and I wish these guys could just fucking just put everything aside and just do what's best for music because I, I i think music as a whole is better when these two guys are creating music and you, you look back at the old you know liner notes all four members were credited to the songs but it, it's very well publicized that all these songs are just like a jagger and richards uh, anything you want to say in closing on uh, Van Halen, Ralph? Um, I prefer Eat Em and Smile over 1984. Wow. And uh, But I don't think Eat Em and Smile has a hot for teacher, a song as good as that. But um, I'm, I, I, I don't hate the album. You know, I think the Van Halen six-pack is extremely important. And, and 84 is a very important album for... The, the the discography of classic Van Halen, but out of all the original six pack, it's my least favorite. I'll t I'll take Diver Down over this, and I think Diver Down is the dark horse of Van Halen albums because a lot of people seem to hate that album because it's mostly covers, but I don't care. It, it, it's because the thing is when Van Halen does covers, it doesn't sound like the cover. They make it their own. All right, well, this was released January 9th, 1984. Man, and only clocking in at 33 minutes and 17 seconds. But yet, it's still legendary. Produced by Ted Templeman. Uh, it would go on to sell over 10 million copies. It is uh, certified diamond, which is so funny, uh, you know, because of Diamond Dave. But uh, this and the first album are both, you know, diamond records, and you know, it's unheard of these days for something to sell like that. And it still sells because new generations realize how great this shit was. It spent five weeks at number two. Over a month at number two. So that tells you right there, I mean, how huge this shit was. And number two behind Thriller, so. I think last I checked, I think it was 17 million. Had sold 17 million. Right, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it gets another certification until uh, until it's 20. like, yeah, yeah, twenty. Then it's like double diamond. Yeah, you know. But and it's gonna get there. It's just a matter of time. I mean, it's gonna get there. And it, you know, the the proof is, you know, this catalog still sells. Where Van Hagar is very much a product of the time, and and you saw the sales. You know, were going down and down and. Uh, you know, but this shit stands the test of time, and that's what's really important. Is when people think of Van Halen now, that's what they think of. They don't think about that bullshit. I don't care if it went to number one. You know, so did fucking Backstreet Boys. You know, perfect example, Ian. I mean, Richard Linklater just just last year, new movie came out. Everybody wants some Van Halen right. music in the soundtrack. I mean, that shit's still relevant. It's current. Yeah, and, and you hear Van Halen in, in other movies and commercials, and you know, you don't see somebody put out a movie and, and you know and putting right now in that motherfucker, because it's it's 
It, it's done. The time no, they, came. No, you're went. wrong. They did use right now in Bareback Mountain. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Uh, True story. But uh, so there you go. Uh, now it's time to go to pick of the week. And John, since you are our guest, what is your pick of the week? Um. My pick of the week, I just discovered this, uh, well, last week I was posting some videos on the Facebook page, uh, Rock Your Face Off by Kix. Have you heard that, Ian? No, I have not. Check it out. It, uh, came out in 2014. It's Kix. It's now all the original members of the band, um, but it's good. It's good. I like it. Rock Your Face Off, it's called. All right, well, my pick of the week this week, uh, while we're talking about extraordinary guitar player and singer relations, uh, is the Rolling Stones. And it's the 1969 classic, Let It Bleed. Uh, That's a classic. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, my favorite era of the Stones would be the Mick Taylor era. And, uh, man, he just shines all over this album. Uh, Let It Bleed, Love in Vain, Midnight Rambler. You know, they give me shelter for Christ's sake. Uh, could be my favorite Stone song of all time. Uh, you got the silver. You can't always get what you want. Live with me, Monkey Man. Holy shit! Uh, one of the the best deep cuts ever by the Stones, Monkey Man, and their country version <laughs> of Honky Tonk Woman, Country Honk. Uh, man, Rolling Stones, Let It Bleed. It, it doesn't get better than that. I mean. You know, you know, we did the uh, Goat's Head Soup album review and turned some people onto that, and and some people who said, "Oh, I wasn't really a Stones fan, but I dug that." You know, give this one a chance if you never heard it. Let it bleed. Absolutely amazing. My pick of the week. 1976 Electric Light Orchestra album, a New World Record. Tightrope. Uh, I'm sure Johnny, you know, Telephone Line. And uh, living things on this one, do ya? You know, which Ace Frehley covered later. Uh, Rockeria, probably my favorite track on the album. Um, ooh, Above the Clouds. I think it's a great album, and very special album for me because I believe it may have been the third or fourth album I ever purchased with my own money, and through the the strength of do ya, because do ya was a extremely minor hit back then that I heard, I heard on the radio here and there and uh, made me go buy this album. And I'm a big ELO fan. I, I really do love a lot of ELO stuff, and uh, especially this era, when they started to get a little more polished and uh, a little away from uh, the epic uh, orchestra shit. They got a little more poppier, and it's a very special album to me. So that is my pick of the week, 1976, A New World Record. All right, well, now's when we go into Fan of the Week and something I've been doing lately is letting our guests talk about fans that they love on the Facebook page and somebody whose post they look forward to. And, and Johnny, who's somebody on our Facebook page that uh, that really impresses you or makes you laugh or you like how they contribute to the page? Dude, you're really putting me on the spot here because I, I love the page. And I'll be honest with you, I have met, like, so many cool people since, uh, since um, I've been on the page. I mean, like... I love uh, Edwin and Justin Childers, Kirsch, um, Donnie Allen, just classic, classic K 
characters, you know, on this page. It's just so unique, um, different than any other any other page, and it's just uh, learned a lot of new music, great music through the page. Um, if I had to pick, I don't know if this guy's been fan of the week. Um, how about uh, another guy who, who just, he's got more vinyl than, than, not more than Ralph, but Jesus, other than Ralph, this guy's got so much vinyl. How about Matt Weller's dick? Has he been fan of the week before? No, he hasn't, and he's very deserving, man. Yes. Uh, Matt, Matt, Matt's uh, a little bit newer to the Facebook page, but he does what I always ask, and I'm really glad you picked him because I was going to pick him on, uh, you know, one where we didn't have a guest, but... Uh, Man, he's came on like gangbusters and contributes and contributes good posts, uh, interesting posts, and definitely has passion. And that's what I always look for in Fan of the Week. And, and John, I think that it, I mean, I love everybody you named, and all those other guys have been a Fan of the Week prior. Yeah. But I think it's awesome that you brought up Matt Weller's dick. Uh, very proud to have him as your pick of Fan of the Week. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, guy's got tons of freaking vinyl, too. Jesus, I'm jagged jealous. Yeah. Yeah, and a really cool dude. I'm jealous yeah. that Fan of the Week has less vinyl than me, and I wasn't Fan of the Week. <laughs> you're, you're, you're Fan every week. <laughs> hey, uh, Johnny, I just deleted you from the page. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's get into the plugs. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U-K time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right. It's your podcast. Every month... Podkiss crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday. 
on Podbean, Podcast Addict and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. If you like this episode, you I'm sure you did because I was on it. Join us next week where our guest will be none other than Alex Van Halen. And we're going to review High Infidelity. (laughs) Next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That hurts.